Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blinding passion, they call you to join them. Falling to the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his fire. Father God, for continuing to encourage us when we are down and out and we just can't handle the negativity and the ugly that's going on around the world, even with our understanding that things are going to get a lot worse than they are right now. And Father, we just we, we so desperately want that supernatural outpouring, that transformation into light and love that has been promised through the, the, the words of your prophets over the years for the days that we face ahead of us that I suspect will be so much more dark than they are even today. And we would love to have that outpouring right now, Father, to be able to sustain us. But I, I honestly don't believe we would be able to function, those of us who have to continue to work in, in, in uh, the place. Um, Father, I just I suspect we probably, the anointing would be so powerful, we wouldn't be able to do our daily functioning you know, normal functioning. And Father, we just praise you. We thank you for, I thank you. And I pray that everybody else thanks you for your incredible mercy, for your incredible mercy, for your, and Jesus, for your love, for your incredible love. We are so absolutely, utterly undeserving of your mercy, so utterly undeserving of your love and your forgiveness and your prayers. I believe that you lay your hands on us in the spiritual realm and pray for us when we don't deserve it, when we are at our worst and how we feel about the things that we're seeing and the emotions that we allow to overtake us at times. And, and uh, you know, just but yet you remain so unbelievably encouraging and loving and compassionate. And you show us the 1111s when we don't deserve to see the 1111s. You, you give words of knowledge to people that are friends of ours that say just right thing. You send us emails at just the right nanosecond of time that is so impossible that it wasn't you speaking to us that it had to be. It had to be. And we just thank you, Father, for each one of us in, a, in the place that we are, whether we are living in, uh, you know, w- 
you know, someplace in any any part of the world, whether we're living in Japan or whether we're living in Indonesia or whether we're living in South America or the Honduras or Puerto Rico or wherever it is that we're living, Father, we're all walking lives that are unique, uh, circumstances that are that to our own selves are especially challenged, possibly even catered and and adjusted to who we are in you in such a fashion that it brings us in our journey to a place that we need to come to that place that is in harmony with your will and we just thank you father for that for your mercy does endure forever we thank you father for touching us if we would only open our eyes and look around us and see the impossibility of the coincidences and the words that you were speaking to us uh, continuously but yet oftentimes we're so distracted by the things that are happening around the world that we just don't see it and i just praise you father for being so merciful i thank you lord jesus for all of your prayers for every single listener in this radio show. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, no matter what stronghold that any one of the listeners of this program may be dealing with, no matter what emotion they may be struggling with. Uh, Father, if it is unforgiveness, we pray in the name of Jesus, anointing of forgiveness and love to flow deep, deep into their heart, that they would, all they have to do is just put the, the people that have hurt them at the top of their prayer list and really from the bottom of their heart, pray for their salvation, pray that they do not burn in hell for, for all of eternity for the things that they have done and and recognize for each of us to recognize that our prayers are so powerful that that person might very well make it to heaven and, and, and by virtue of our prayers alone through the mercy of you father and we just thank you lord jesus for helping us along the way we praise you for our our jobs those of us who, who still have them and we pray in the name of jesus that you will introduce us to our fellow brothers and sisters who have no money who are barely getting by who need that chapter three help uh and, and 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 just put them in our path that we can stand on that holy ground and be honored to be able to serve you father and to be able to give uh, abundantly through love to, to the people that are suffering even unbelievers giving the credit to the lord jesus because if it wasn't for you jesus none of us would have jobs we'd all be miserably out streets like so many other people that are that just are probably utterly befuddled and can't believe they're in the situation that they're in Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you all pour your love upon us, that it, that it will overflow our cups, that whatever and, – and I believe it with all of my heart that we each have, whether it be a spiritual uh, uh, capacity or whether it be uh, you know, an intellectual capacity, but we all have a certain amount, a capacity within our body, soul, spirit, flesh, and heart that makes up who we are in Christ, that, 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 that you will overflow that capacity. Whatever that capacity is and whatever attribute it is of our makeup here in this prison planet that we're trapped in for the time being, that you will overflow that capacity with your love in such a way that we cannot help but become exactly like Jesus to the point that we're willing to walk with the burden of that cross to our death, to lay down our lives with our families, if necessary, to be able to touch and love somebody before it is time for us to go home to glory. We thank you, Father, for mercy does endure forever. We don't, it's amazing just to even read those verses and to wonder what that could possibly mean, the grand scheme of all of eternity. Father, we just give you all the praise and glory and honor and thank you. We thank you.
we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. And now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling, Lord Jesus, and present us faultless someday before the presence of your glory, Lord God, with exceeding joy. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, alone is wise. Be glory, majesty, power, dominion forever and ever, Lord. Our Father, Abba Father, we praise you. Amen. second all right okay here we go so sister vera can you give me a sound quality report right now because uh, uh i'm i'm blinded uh on my audio all right and i'm just waiting for her to respond there's a little delay all right praise god just waiting for sister vera to type the wonderful words of glory and praise jesus into her text messenger she says you have playback I don't know what that means I don't know what you have playback means all right now um, sister Nancy is telling me that it is echoing and I don't know what that means so um, I'm gonna go ahead and go back to I'm gonna go ahead and mute All right, praise God. Hold on a second. Uh, all right, here we go. And out of faith, I'm going to go back to the normal mic. 
Now, I don't like, again, I'm getting, now, I, Jim, Brother Jim is telling me he hears me just fine. Um, I'm just getting mixed messages from everybody, so I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to think. And and the clarity of the messages that I'm getting, uh, it, it's not making sense to me. So I don't understand things like, um, you know, things like you have playback and stuff like that. I don't know what those words mean. So anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and progress forward with the program uh, out of faith. Uh, and um, because I don't really have a choice and the messages that I'm getting from folks are um, – I, I'm, I'm befuddled, and I don't know how to respond to them. So anyway, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for uh, yet another program and radio show. We have not been shut down. I hope in Jesus' name that the sound quality is okay. Again, Brother Jim Boyer's last words where I hear you just fine, but I also know that there's a six to seven or more uh, actual uh, delay that occurs from, you know, if I say the word, you know, the number one, one right now, and it's exact 7.17 p.m., two seconds out of the hour or whatever, or the minute, um, you know, there's another seven, eight seconds that go by that, um, you know, before I can even get somebody to give me any idea. Um, uh, now, now I have another brother in Christ. I'm getting all kinds of messages. Another brother, uh, uh, I think he goes by Troy. Um, he says, the new mic you just switched to is perfect, much better. Um, that's fascinating. I'm, my, I'm absolutely, my mind is blown. It's fried. Uh, if I was Jonathan Kleck, I'd be scraping my chin off of the ground because Brother Troy is telling me precisely opposite that, brother, that Sister Vera was telling me up in Ontario. <laughs> Okay, because the mic that I'm on right now is mic that she told me I was breaking up on just a couple of seconds ago. So right now I am just going to go ahead and zero my focus in on doing the program. Um, uh, Brother Jim says he's using Chrome on a PC. He's casting it. He's casting it to his television. He says it sounds wonderful. Sister Nancy says you sound great over the internet. Okay, Sister Vera says you are breaking up. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and do the program because there is absolutely zero agreement uh, uh, between the believers that are listening to the program. Some are hearing hearing it perfectly. Some are hearing breaks. Uh, nothing I can do about it. Praise God. There's so much nothing that I can do about it. I'm going to go ahead and go right into the news. Hallelujah. Here, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But first, but first, we cannot forget the kids, can we, kids? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but boy, with all this ugly stuff going on around the world right now, it is just, boy. You know, I thought I thought it would be cool to do like I normally always do, which is unplug, you know, and, and the analogy I would use, you'd have to imagine a really big, thick plug because there's a lot of thick, dark awful stuff, you know, happening across the world that when you are plugged into it, it, boy, oh boy, can it drag you into the pit. It can really make you feel 
crummy. Um, you know, uh, and it's 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 a well-known um, you know fact for anybody who has even Christians that have studied human behavior that um, if we are you know, fed too much ugly stuff, too much negative stuff, that um, it can really, it can have a very bad effect on our psyche, on our, on our psychology, on our, you know, we, you would call it uh, physiological health. Okay, and we can get really pulled into the pit. We can get, you know, hyper depressed about things. We can, I, I, I could give you so many examples. And, uh, and, um, and so now it's weird because I find myself in a weird place where I used to be able to be okay with just unplugging like on a Saturday. I would like set aside Saturdays as my day, praise God, to, you know, just kind of disconnect from, all the ugly, because there was so much ugly that, you know, and then doing the radio shows, how do you, what, we stopped doing the news, right? And then, of course, there was the uh, four-day denial of services attack against the website, which that takes a mental toll on you, believe me, especially when you've done, you know, 12 years of hard work on it. Um, and, you know, just so many things, you know, so many. And then, of course, there's people that are reaching out. They're hurting real bad. And, um, you, you, you know, it, that also takes a toll, um, and the list just goes on. I mean, literally, if I had a legal tablet, I could fill up that legal tablet from the tippy top to the bottom of all this different stuff that is highly, highly negative that is a part of our lives right now. Now, some of us are, you know, some, some I will say some human beings when I'm saying us. I'm not saying necessarily believers, maybe non-believers, maybe other believers that believe in other things. But humans, as a general rule, um, you know, are all in different places, different stages of waking up. So there are a lot of there are a lot of unbelievers, praise God, that are ripe for the picking, ripe for the harvest. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Now they're they're probably not ripe enough though to be able to present to them the magnitude of the information that we're privy to. Now, let me give you an example. So I go out, you know, uh, I finally got to the point on Saturday where my daughter and I were able to actually go out and celebrate my 60th birthday, which, of course, to somebody who's turning 60 is not really a celebration. Okay, but <laughs> but anyway, you know, you got to kind of play along with it. Praise God. So anyway, so, um, you know, we one whenever my daughter and her husband wasn't there, so that gave me a little bit more freedom than, um, okay, Okay, feedback from Ontario, Canada, from Brother Justin. You are you were sounding good during your initial prayer and music break. When the music break was over, there was dead air, which of course was when I was switching back, uh, switching between different devices. And then it's it's possible you might have muted yours, which is a fact. That is a fact. When I was switching over to my phone, it was on mute for a small period of time. Then it says when you came back on, there was some sound issues but it is sounding great now okay so and now i'm getting another report from sister vera up in ontario so ontario's i'm getting an i, I you know when they say that you know um uh <laughs> you know like your cat walks in front of your camera and you go look come to me well i'm getting i'm getting uh audio 
radio feedback bombed from Ontario, Canada. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank all of you. God bless you all. Thank you, Jesus. Um, you know, I don't know what to do about it. I, I have a sneaking suspicion of what's causing it. Um, it's what, again, for anybody who understands audio electronics, it's known as automatic level control or ALC. I have had problems with ALCs before. The problem where it becomes exacerbatingly diff- or you know, beyond the ability of an, I don't know what the right words are. It's almost impossible to overcome it, and here's why. It is literally programmed into the code of Windows 10. Okay, so, and then when they do updates to the operating system and you do updates to your system, there's changes there. And then you've got Blog Talk Radio, and they do changes on their ALC, their automatic level controls, and they conflict with one another. When that happens, you got yourself a real challenge, and that seems to be where we've arrived at this point, and I'm just going to have to keep on praying. I pray that you will also continue to pray for me. Uh, You know, um, we need to be praying for one another an awful lot right now. We are definitely, clearly making a transition, I believe, with all of my heart. I don't know how long we have. I don't know if Trump's going to go into the presidency in 2024. I know he's announcing to everybody, he just did a Florida rally, and he told everybody, I'm going to run in 2024. You know, we look at the things that are happening, you know, we look at the um, the text of the second seal on the riding of the red horse, and we see that the red army has moved into the Ukraine, and you, you've got all these people, you know, we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they're trying, that forces of darkness are trying to start World War III. We know that World War III is, you know, when World War III spins up to full-blown war, you know, global war, and there are multiple countries launching missiles at each other and all kinds of awful stuff. When it gets to that point, we know at that point that we have that 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 the fourth seal has. We the, the seals could all be broken on all seven scrolls, but they roll out in parallel. They roll out across the table, and the contents become part of the world's experience. Okay, and we get to see it. I'm not saying it's a good thing to see. I'm just saying, unfortunately, I personally feel unfortunately. Now, maybe later when God does outpour his Holy Spirit on us, and we're actually set loose to go out with that anointing and that light, and it will be real light. I believe that with all of them. I mean, I believe people will see glory light coming off of our bodies, and we will be able to walk along the streets, and there will be children with their arms blown off because somebody set up a landmine like they're doing in the sand, like the Nazis are doing in the sand over in Odessa, Ukraine right now. There are people dying. They're just walking along the beach and kaboom and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I I say... It's a blessing, and it is a sincere emotional challenge for me to be so blessed that I get to talk to so many people all over the world. And I have uh, – I've been very good friends with someone who grew up in Odessa, Ukraine, uh, and she has actually translated. She was a missionary translator for a lot, large part of her life, I grew up in Odessa, Ukraine. She is a friend of mine. We talk about the doggone this stuff. You know, like she, she's like, oh, look at these new cucumbers I just – and put it in my garden kind of thing. So we're friends, you know, and we talk over and she communicates with her mother who still lives over in Odessa. And she also spends usually a couple of months every single year visiting and traveling around Ukraine. Um, she translated two radio shows for me for the people of Moscow in Russia. 
I do not wear a flag. I do not approve of that. I do not approve of Christianity that wears any type of a flag. Um, I believe that our Bible says exactly who we are. And I believe in the literally, uh, literal, what is the right word? I believe that the words of the Bible are explicit, but they're also spiritual. But deviating because of our own itching ears, deviating from what is in the Bible and say, well, I'm an American Christian or I'm a yeah, 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 yeah Christian. I'm like, where are you getting that from? And how can, is it you believe that you can take something that doesn't exist in the Bible and make it part of who you are in Christ? Because that to me is anti-Bible. You're adding to the Bible. Where, where are you getting that from? Now, that's, there's, there's one thing, it, you know, that's one thing. Then, then you have the dynamics where we're trying to sort out the mysteries of the Bible, and we ask it in the form of a question. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're just flat out saying, I'm an American Christian, and this, that, and the other thing, and I believe this, and I believe that, and you're adding things to the Bible, I struggle with that being okay. I don't think that that is okay. I, and I have had people email me and communicate with me either via text messenger, and you are welcome to if you want to seek me out. I'm not that busy. I mean, I'll get to you sooner or later. I might be a little slow sometimes. And actually, I, quite, quite, quite honestly, in all fairness, I'm in many, many different areas of specialization and understanding, I'm very slow. I mean, I'm as slow as a turtle. <laughs> I have people talking to me about stuff all the time, and I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> you know, because I don't understand it. Okay, praise God. But I'm blessed to have, you know, Tatiana, Tata, Tatiana as a friend. She's talking to her mother every day in the Ukraine. Literally, she keeps a Skype session up all day long. She works as an interpreter out of her house. God bless her. And, she, and if, she, if, she, if she heard me mentioning her name on the air, she would probably spank me with a, a very large uh, cast iron pan uh, over the head because she's real big on privacy. So I probably already crossed the line. Ow, ow, ow. Uh, no, no, I'm really sorry. Uh, a woman with, whose name starts with a T. Ow, ow, ow. Okay. A uh, person who used to live in. Uh, no. Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. All right. I'll stop. Okay. All right. And, and uh, so uh, anyway, it's a blessing. But at the same time, it also comes with this enormous responsibility. It's a blessing to be able to talk to people in France. It's a blessing to be able to have a friend in Belgium and to be able to have him text message me and let me know that there are tanks going down the street that the Belgium king, for goodness sakes, there's a king in Belgium. How, who out there knows these things? I don't. I don't know where all the countries that have kings and queens and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's a king in Belgium. Do you think the guy has a clue? Do you think he's part of the New World Order? Do you think he's part of the Global Reset? Do you think he's buddies with the World Economic Forum? I, w I would say yes. Okay, right? That would be my assumption. And if that be true and he's rolling tanks down the street, then that in that's kind of a sign, right? So anyway, um, does it necessarily mean, though, that the forces of darkness are going to get away with whatever it is that they are planning to get away with at any given time? And history would indicate if we would just rewind our lives and go back 11 years or whatever and think of all the times that we thought, you know, Jade Helm, guys, Jade Helm. Is there anybody out there that remembers the words Jade Helm? Okay, let's have a praise offering for Jesus. All right. Amen. Praise God. All right. Jade Helm happened in 2012. 
boy, there wasn't a YouTuber out there that believed in the Lord and wasn't telling everybody this is it. This is it. Jade Helm, 2012. Remember that? Let me tell you, folks, <laughs> I, I have a memory like a steel trap. There isn't an elephant in the world that would challenge me. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, so it's like, you know, when I do a review and and I and don't I, I don't know how much I've forgotten and I'm sure I could recollect it at any moment in time, but the list of things that have happened over the last 11 years that were so strongly indicative of us of our imminent departure from this filthy alien demon infested planet that is so Gorgeous because of our Father's love for all of the people on the earth. All right, and I praise God that, you know, I just thank God that I have such a diverse set of inputs. I, 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 have, I am uh, around unbelievers all the time. I'm around believers that are working in the workplace. I'm around believers that are of this religion and that religion and this religion and Greek Orthodox and 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 I get the and then, and then you know and then evangelical Christianity in the United States of America and all of that. They're all different. They all think completely different. And you know and then they tell you what they believe. And I get to hear it. I get to hear that there are tanks rolling down the road in Belgium. I get to hear that that there are landmines planted in the in by the Nazis in Odessa. I get to hear how afraid uh the person who I probably shouldn't have mentioned their name, how their mother is so afraid of what might happen. Not they're not afraid of Russia. <laughs> that is the least of their worries. You know, I could you know, I can tell you if you're really interested in these kinds of things, I can tell you, um, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and I'm trying to it it's very uh tricky what I'm trying to pull off here because I got my phone connected at the same time as a, as I'm using the normal studio equipment. And uh doing two of them at one time is really, really super hyper tricky. But anyway, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm just gonna praise my way through this. But like right now, if you have Telegram on your phone, you can look for I think you can just type in the search, you know, hit the little magnifying glass for search and then just type in Ukraine and you'll find this guy. But he calls himself Aussie. Kosak, pound A-U-S-S-I-E, which indicates that he lives in Australia, and Kosak is probably his name or one of his names, C-O-S-S-A-C-K. And um, on there, uh, what what you're quick to notice is that he shows um, a lot of video. I don't know where he gets it. And that's okay with me. I just want to be able to see the things, not just hear them from certain people, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but also be able to see witness of it. And um, I also know, because I'm not, you know, there's always two sides of the story, right? But in reality, there's actually more than two sides of the story. In some cases, there's five sides of the story. So here, here's something to consider. So think about this. What if the Czech Republic did something really, really naughty, 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 okay? And then all the surrounding countries around the Czech Republic got mad, okay? And they, I mean, I'm not talking about little bitty bitty mad. I'm talking about super duper deluxe mad, okay? You know, like with uh, triple patties and pickles, lettuce, don't upset us, that kind of mad, that kind of mad, all right? Um, <clears throat> 
the kind of mad that, that Belarus has right now, the kind of mad that Russia has right now because their soldiers are dying, you know, and they're trying to clean out the genuine bona fide World War II Nazis, which is what they are. And then you've got like Zelensky making an appeal to the public in a green T-shirt with a, with a, with a, with a, with the Nazi um, uh, iron symbol, you know, the the uh, cr- iron cross symbol, right there on his shirt. I'm like, it's astonishing. It is mind-bending. There, there. It's it's stupefying. Stupefying is is probably the most powerful word in the English language to explain a state of mind whereby your your mind is so blown that you cannot even talk. Okay, you stutter at best. You're just like. You know what I mean? Well, anyway, so I had my little dinner with my daughter, and her husband wasn't there. And I, well, I showed her, I, you know, I said, here, check this out. You know, I just want her to be able to embrace. Don't we all, don't we all, don't we all, don't we all want our family and friends and people that we meet in the store and everything else? Don't we all wish we could just bring them up and let them, even if it takes 50 years? And, of course, you know, since I believe Obama is the Antichrist, that would not be possible 50 years. However, um, no matter how many years it may take for us to get through all of this, um, whatever those number of years may be, deep down inside, we would all love to be able to help as many people as we possibly can awaken to the stuff that is happening. All right. And to recognize, to get on their knees, to join us in prayer, to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ. I want the bride of Jesus Christ to be so many times huger than God ever planned it to be. Okay, you know what I'm saying? And I pray that. I actually pray that. I I rebuke. I well, I don't want to say the word rebuke. I disavow my attention from anybody out there who claims to have the gift of prophecy that suggests like I've said before that the ark doors closed or any of that kind of stuff because I've heard that come from so many of the a the ones that I call my A-list prophets over the last 11 years. I've heard that I heard that back in April 2017. I heard that back in prior years from what I consider to be A-list prophets, and they've been wrong, consistently wrong. Okay, so I'm – I don't pay any – no attention whatsoever to any of that noise. To me, it's just wah, 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 you know, that whole, uh, you know, Charlie Brown uh, teacher kind of a thing, like – like right here. <laughs> anyway, praise God. But in, um, and, and I don't pay attention to it, and, and I just pray, Lord, more, more, more. I want – and so when I showed my daughter the picture of the Fox News reporter talking about all the dead people and the body bags that are lining up, and, and it's just a horrible thing. And you know, I'm not saying that there aren't people dying. There are. But it, the question that needs to be answered is who's killing them? Ah, ha, ha. see, that changes everything. Who created the war crimes? Who, cre- who actually made the word crimes in Maripol happen? Ah, see, now that's where it becomes crucially important. And I showed my daughter the, the – the, the, the dead person in the body bag moving around with the body bag open and sticking their head out. And, the, and while the Fox News reporter is going, people are just dying everywhere, dead, 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 dead. Uh, and Putin's a war criminal. And look what he did to the building in Maripol. And, uh, you know, did he? Did the Russians really do that? Or was it the Nazis? 
See, so when I was looking at this this Aussie Cossack guy, and he actually – I don't know how he gets this footage. He must know people over – well, I guess he obviously does – know people over in the Ukraine personally, and then they send him actual footage of stuff that they get on their phone. Um, because uh, there there was this one scene where where there were Russian tanks heading into Kiev. Now of course they're way they're way 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 out, but they're heading in that direction. And there's this woman, <laughs> there's this Ukrainian woman standing outside of her little cottage, just jumping up and down for joy. I mean, you know, she looked like she was an Olympian. She's like going clapping her hands like this and going yay hey hey. Because the Russian tanks are going by her house, it looked like the um, like the uh, liberation of France when the Americans were going through the streets in France after they got the you know the, the, the Nazi, Nazi Germany out of France. All right, that's what it looked like. Um, uh, anyway, and then there was another foot, little film that I watched. Um, it, it was a couple. It, I, I don't know how they filmed this. I have no idea. Somebody was very very brave. But the group of Russian soldiers were running for their lives. They were being shot at. You know, and you, it was even more realistic than what you see in the theaters. I mean, it was really, really, really. And they're like running as fast as they can. And, and they came up on this little cottage. And they're like, you know, you know, bust the door down. We got to get in, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and you, you, you know what they're saying. Anyway, so they, they, they did, they, they, you know, shouldered the door open and they went inside um, with the live rounds going past them and everything. And they filmed. The inside of the cottage, and right there on the wall was a full-size Nazi flag, the real deal, folks. <laughs> not not the kind you buy at the five and dime. We're talking about the kind that you know, the real deal. Anyway, so uh, yeah, you know, I try to unplug from it. I do, I really do, but now I've got to find a new dynamic, and I don't know what that dynamic is, and I'm going to have to pray through it. I think a lot of us might have to pray through it. <clears throat> but unplugging completely now, like I have historically to keep my sanity my sanity a little bit, um, um, it isn't working very well anymore. Because what happens is the intensity of the darkness and the blackness of the satanic stuff that is happening across the world right now is so black, so Satan gushing with Satanism. It's gushing, gushing with the seething stench of the most evil, I mean, killing babies 26 days after they're born. Really, folks? You know, I talk to people, you know, and they're like, well, we're not really in the end times. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, think back to the Obama administration and the rainbow colors that were being shined for over a week on the, I believe it was a week long, maybe longer, uh, on the White House. You know, does anybody know their Bible? <laughs> okay. Does anybody know their Bible at all? Does anybody know what happens to kingdoms? Do naughty, naughty things? <laughs> Long enough to really, you know, get past the point where our Heavenly Father is like, okay, I've had it. I've had it. You know, if, if we know our Bible and we know what's going on in this country at all, then guess what? This isn't even arguable. You can't argue it, yet you still have 
millions of Christians that are completely clueless in this country. It's amazing. They just see, you know, climate change is just something made up by the Democrats to get extra funding and pork into their trillion dollar budgets. And, and um, uh, you know, and they think things like, uh, oh, this is just another one of those conflicts. This is no more than Gaza you know, having a skirmish with Israel. But, you know, going back to my analogy, you know, if, if the Czech Republic did something really, really, really bad and the five countries, and I don't even know if there are five countries that are on the border. I'd have to look at a globe. But anyway, let's pretend that there's actually five countries that border on the Czech Republic and the Czech Republic. Let's say that they, I don't know, maybe brought in some of the um, Ukrainian Nazis or something, and they actually melted down the nuclear power plant and, and there was plume of deadly nuclear waste and stuff going right up into the sky and, and it was getting into the thunderstorms and moving to all of the different neighboring countries and the neighboring countries are like furious at the Czech Republic. Well, here's the thing. If you were to interview one person from each of those five countries, you would hear five different sides of the story. So there's always lots of different opinions, different sides of the story. There are people in the Ukraine that don't speak any Russian at all. They just speak Ukrainian. Okay, um, uh, you know, and I don't know what that language is. I just call it Ukrainian. <laughs> it might actually have a name. And they are those people reside mostly on the eastern section, which is very little teensy weensy, hardly at all affected at all by this special operation is what Russia calls it. Now, what happens, given everything that we've seen happen, we, we know that they're not going to do a no-fly zone. We know that Zelensky, while he's wearing his Nazi Iron Cross, you know, that has been sketched onto his green shirt, is making pleas to the world uh, and the various governments of the world to please come and help him and put up a, uh, you know, like a no-fly zone. There are those like uh, uh, Aussie Kosak who say that and ha he has he has photographs of Zelensky. Where does he get these things? He has photographs of Zelensky standing in a movie studio with green with the green screens behind him. Okay, you know you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so anyway, uh, um, so again, it, it is so convoluted, so dorked up, so many different sides of the story. People are dying. As a matter of fact, probably. <laughs> When you when you do a body, if you were to do a body count, I would submit that there are more dead Russian soldiers that were there to do a good thing on behalf of the Ukrainian people. There are more of them that are dead. And why would that be? Because whenever an army, like if an army does a blitzkrieg and they just mow you over with it, they put 100, 150, 250 tanks and they just go mow you over. They just mow the whole place over. They do like we did, like the, like America did for weapons of mass destruction for crying out loud. Of course, we found not a single one. We did a shock and awe, which is a satanic play on the word Shekinah, Shekinah glory. We called it shock and awe. I remember, see, I was clueless back then. I was sitting there with the pizza. I was watching CNN, and I'm looking at, uh, you know, this guy, I think his name was Bernie or whatever, and he was hiding underneath a table in some sort of a hotel, and they put the camera up a little bit. Oh, no. And boom, 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 boom. Tomahawk missiles going off all over the place, flashes of fire, just unbelievable stuff. People, we took out their water. They didn't have water for months and months and months and months and months. They had, they, they couldn't, no even drink water. 
let alone electricity or anything else. We completely took everything out in Baghdad. It was wiped out. Okay, and then, then there were humanitarian missions that had to come in just to give them a drink of water. That's how bad we bombarded Baghdad on the satanic Shekinah shock and awe event. When the shape-shifting reptilian Bush comes walking out on an aircraft carrier, boy, oh boy, oh boy, does that get to me, uh, you know, saying, mission accomplished, <laughs> you know, we're surrounded by demons, we're surrounded by demon-possessed entities, many of them are Nakash, many of them are, are reptilians, but we don't realize it, a lot of people don't realize it. I saw, I showed my daughter that video indisputable undeniable proof positive there is no logic in the world that would allow a thinking person to be able to reason themselves away around seeing rows and rows of body bags with a live l-i-v-e live fox news reporter talking about all the death and all the dead people and then having one of the body bags move around and a person run across their head pop out of the body bag. And I'm like, you can't talk around that. But my daughter went into an instant state of denial. And when, because it blew her mind, it was too shocking for her to accept. It was like, that can't possibly be real. And so she immediately started saying things like, uh, oh, that, 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 that's fake. Obviously, that's fake. It, it had to be fake. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it, 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 that could never really happen. <laughs> and I just stopped and I put my phone down and stuck it back in my holster. And we continued to have dinner because I knew I had, you know, I'd hit the apex of her level of tolerance if i would have shown her anything else <laughs> it would have completely destroyed the dinner i could tell i could see that look in her eyes that looked like if you show me one more thing my head is going to pop off and i'm going to start running you know and, and you know and that that's we're all suffering with that right now we are and it's hard so i'm going to have to i don't know about you but i'm going to have to stop completely unplugging on saturdays like i've been doing it worked really good for a while but the impact of coming back to the reality that we're all living right now from the unpluggedness, I made that word up. I'm allowed to do that because I'm a consultant, and that's what we do, and then we charge it three times more than we're supposed to. All right, but anyway, that's how it works, okay? The unpluggedness. When it, I've discovered that when I come back from that state of unpluggedness where I completely unplug, I try to find myself a nice little wholesome movie or maybe a spy movie or a whatever, you know, to lose myself from all this creepy, weird, you know, shape-shifting, reptilian, demon-possessed, you know, all this stuff that's going on around the world and all these lies and fake news. And I mean, my gosh, I mean, we haven't had news that has been this fake since Operation Desert Storm. And CNN putting up, you know, fake movie sets with people acting like bombs are going off and they're actually standing on a balcony in a hotel in Riyadh. <laughs> that stuff's like all over the Internet right now. They're totally busted. But you know what? There are still people that are in denial. They'll say, well, you know, they obviously did that because they didn't want to put their news reporters at, at you know, in danger, you see. So that's, that's why they did that. You know, they'll, they'll reason their way around it. Anyway, we've come to that place. 
And I've got to figure out, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've got to figure out how I can stay a little plugged in just enough that I don't have plugged in shock. <laughs> okay. So, because when I came back, when I set up, uh, you know, <clears throat> to do the show tonight, and I started to inject the news reports for the show tonight, um, I, I, all I can say is I just started bawling. And and if and if it wasn't for another saint being on the phone with me at the time, uh, I I probably would have lost it. Okay, and um, I've got to find some way to I don't know keep like a miniature plug or something in the wall somehow to just not because if I become totally disconnected, the 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 surge the explosion of negativity that hits you just before you do the radio show is it's not it's not it's not sustainable it isn't sustainable it's literally trauma and um i can't i i have to figure out i don't know what i'm going to do i don't know what you do i'd love to hear you know my email is jbaptist777 at gmail.com i do respond to them i i praise god for every chance that i that i get you know, to stand on that holy ground and try to help somebody. And also, if you use Google Hangouts or whatever they're calling it now, I think they call it Google Messenger or whatever, you can type my email in there and also get a hold of me there. Um, and then, of course, there's always Facebook, but that's very challenging for me, and I tend to shy away from it for many reasons. Anyway, on that note, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and do the news. Kids, kids. What? Uh, oh, dagnabbit. I don't. Okay, kids, just one. What time is it when the clock strikes 13? Kids, what time is it when the clock strikes 13? Time to get a new clock. <laughs> come on, kids. That was pretty funny. Kids, come on. All right. All right, and on that note, let's jump right into the news. Praise Jesus. Here we go. All right, we have an update from Ontario, Canada. According to Sister Vera, the sound is now awesome. So I'm going to give all the praise and honor and glory to Jesus for that. Uh, you know, it might only last for another 30 seconds, but we're going to praise him anyway. How about that, huh? Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, first one up for the night. Come on, soundboard. There we go. In skating speech, Zelensky with his Nazi iron cross drawn on his green shirt with a Sharpie <laughs> pleads with Israel to prevent Russia's final solution. The audacity of a man who calls himself a, a Jew who hangs out with the, the mystical Kabbalah Jews from Chabad, gets photographs with him, and then puts a Nazi iron cross on his shirt and then goes to Israel and uses the term final solution. Can you imagine that? Oh, oh okay. Calm down, Johnny. Where's your medication from your doctor? Okay, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm fine. 
kind of. <laughs> right, kids? I'm kind of fine, right? <laughs> All right. <sighs> Next headline up. I will be back, says Trump. He promises a 2024, or, uh, yeah, 2024 return to the White House at a Florida rally. All right, so there you have it. We'll see what happens. Next one up. Google is now censoring, quote, facts. And by the way, it has big old, you know, double-fingered quotes up there. Google is now censoring, quote, their versions of facts on 2024 presidential election information. (laughs) Joseph Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, it appears that you have risen from the dead. (sighs) Fourth Reich, folks. It ain't about communism. It's about the rise of the Fourth Reich. I, I wrote an article about that in 2010. It's coming true right now. It's unbelievable. All right, praise God. Next one up. The Epic Times reports, Ukraine sees signs of another neighbor planning a direct invasion. So, Belarus, oh, and by the way, my insider sources tell me, and um, just letting you know, they've been there, done that most of their lives. They say, according to them, that the people of Belarus absolutely adore their president, Alexander Lukashenko. And um, supposedly, according to this report, he has decided he's going to go ahead and join in the special operation because of the same reasons. All right. Will it happen? We don't know. One of the things that we definitely know beyond any shadow of a doubt is that the scrolls definitely roll out in parallel. And we also know that sometimes what seems to be obvious and unavoidable does a flip-flop. So I have not at all in my heart ruled out that once this special operation is over, a new leader in Ukraine, they become demilitarized, just like you know, we did. <laughs> the United States has done for many countries, including Iraq, really. Um, but um, they become demilitarized, and they all go home. And they all go home. And then we're all sitting there going, "Darn! I thought World War Three was about to start." That wacky Johnny Baptist said the second seal has started. <laughs> the problem is we don't know how long we. It could vacillate. They could go home. This could all be a thing of, you know what I mean? We don't know. We're just going to have to watch, keep on watching, keep on praying. Pray pray that the Lord lifts up more people, that the bride of Jesus Christ is many times. I do that. I, I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the bride of Jesus Christ is many times a magnitude greater than you even planned when you were planning the entire universe and your kingdom. Praise God. I just want as many people to make it and be part of the bride of Jesus as as humanly possible, I don't want anybody to be left behind. Hallelujah. Praise God. Next one up. International security. The more you know about the darkness, folks, and the more you know about what's coming, if you have the heart of Jesus, you don't want nobody to stand behind. No one. As a matter of fact, it's horrific and traumatizing to even consider it, to even imagine it. All right. Next up. Ukraine's supply chain is falling apart amidst a growing refugee crisis, according to United Nations officials say. Again, is this true? I would submit that it probably is. Why would it be? Because any country that is under a special operation, I mean, just look at – no power has been cut. Their cell phones are working. 
my friend who's probably going to hit me on the head with with a, with a frying pan from the Ukraine and talking to her mother every single day. They're talking over Skype. Ow! I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, the point is uh, that's that's unheard of. I am unaware. Tell me if I'm wrong. Email me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com if I'm wrong. Please do. And, and just be nice. Just don't call me like all kinds of bad names and stuff. Just give me a historical account. You can go back as far as you want to, thousands of years, that there was a war action of any nature whereby the communications infrastructure, the, electro, the, the electrical infrastructure wasn't taken out. Do you know what that means? That means that the, that the, attack, the attacking force doing the special operations are going to take humongous casualties because the reason why you take out the communications infrastructure and the electronics and the electrical and everything and, and you turn all the houses dark and you do all that stuff, you do that up front. And the reason you do that is to protect your own soldiers. The Russians have not taken out any infrastructure at all. And their soldiers are dying, a lot of them, while the Nazis are blowing up apartment complexes and stuff in Maripol and blaming it on them. And while Biden, who, who is followed around in the middle of the night with people with dustpans for horrible, unrepeatable reasons, okay, that's according to a, 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 a Secret Service agent that called into Alex Jones's program, and I believe him. I do. All right, praise God. Next one up. Hallelujah. Russia warns of false flag attack on the United States diplomats. Now, I hold there – I know that there's always disinformation. Every single war that has ever occurred in the history of the world always had disinformation campaigns coming from both sides. That is standard – that's first semester war. Anybody who goes to war college, anybody who's ever been a part of the military, who's even taken so much as the simplest of classes, understands that, that disinformation campaigns are absolutely a part of war, and everybody gets involved in it. The trick is to extrapolate the facts of what's actually happening, realizing that they do have power, realizing that their cell phones are still working, realizing that those things never happened in the history of the world before, and Putting two and two together, knowing that there is a iron cross of the of, of the Nazi SS on on the green shirt of Zelensky as he's using the term "final solution" to Israel. Anybody in Israel that would that would believe that after seeing the iron cross has okay. Now I'm stupefied, and I, I can't be stupefied. I, I can be stupid, but I can't be stupefied because I got to do the radio show. Next one up. All right, four Arab nations, according to World Debt Daily, four Arab nations warned Biden that Israel – I'm sorry, that, uh, that the Iran deal is a threat. Now, who would know better than them? Now, remember, it's the Sunnis versus the, uh, the Shiites, and they're all intermingled, and you know, Iran's primarily this, and Saudi is primarily that, and they don't like each other, and they would just assume fight each other to the death Okay, over you know, their – variations of Muslimism. Okay, whatever. Okay, and, and so when you've got four Arab nations coming forward and saying the Iran nuclear deal is a threat to them, what do you think Bennett is thinking? <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I can tell you, my guess would be if there are four, four Arab nations warning that Biden's Iran deal is a threat to them, then, then you probably got to multiply it times 100 to be Bennett. 
<laughs> right? And they've already tried to take out the Fort Al facility with the Mossad. That 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 attempt to take out the the Fort Al facility, um, it had to be the Mossad. They always do that. They do that multiple times. They you know, but it failed. So what's next? I already know. The prophet Dr. David O'Rourke saw in a vision two tactical nukes being launched from the bottom of an F-15 or F-16. It was the IAF, the Israeli Air Force, and they launched two tactical nukes into the base of the Fordow centrifuge facility in Iran. He saw it, and I believe that one's going to come true. All right, praise God. Next one. China warns of unimaginable consequences if nuclear power is forced into a corner. So again, there's a lot of saber rattling. Nobody wants to de- no nobody wants to use nuclear stuff. And then you, I'm not even going to get into it. All I can say is praise God based upon the prophecies, dreams, and visions that I've collected over 1,100 pages of them in Word documents and studied and repeated on the show for 11 years, 4,000 radio shows. I am here to tell you that that stuff doesn't happen for a while. Now, could it happen, you know, soon-ish? See, the thing is, based upon the data that we have from prophecies, dreams, and visions, it indicates, doesn't guarantee it, doesn't guarantee it. But it indicates that there is some air-based nuclear missile exchanges that occur between India, Pakistan, a couple of other countries which were not named, right after Iran sends a nuclear-tipped missile from Libya into Israel. Sarah Manet saw that. That was the first thing she saw before Things start getting real bad. And here's the thing. That would there's – this, there's this concept in global war that mo- many people may or may not understand, and it has to do with response in kind. That's what they call it, respond in kind. Now, that's kind of a weird n- way to put it, but basically it means use nukes until somebody uses a nuke against them. You, you know what I'm saying? Okay, that's just how it works. So, and then of course you see a lot of people calling Israel, you know, war criminals when they're going in and bombing Gaza because they're getting barrages of missiles launched against their cities and towns and their their kids can't even go to school. Sometimes they hit a home and kill people. But then Israel goes in with their fighter jets and their extremely advanced weaponry, and they go and do what's called surgical strikes. But then the world opinion turns against Israel invariably, and then they come out with these useless, impotent uh, United Nations proclamations, and they say, uh, well, Israel's doing war crimes against Gaza because look at – they're hitting these buildings where people live. And then Israel comes back and they say, well, the reason why we had to do the surgical strike on the fifth floor of that building was because inside the fifth floor of that building is the central headquarters of Hezbollah's operation against Israel. We had to take out the head. Okay, so – but then they're accused of war crimes. Well, that same dynamic is happening today over in – but on a much more grandiose scale because it's obvious that they're trying to start World War III. I just don't – are they going to pull it off? What would they have to do to pull it off? 
They're not doing the no-fly zone. They're, they're shaking nuclear weapons at each other, but it's all a bunch of noise. Is, is Russia going to go home? Is Belarus going to join them for a little while, clean up the mess, get out of there? Who knows? None of us know. We know what we see. Well, no, no, we don't. Because body bags come to life. So we don't know what we see. Next one up. New Russian nasal vaccine, this is made in Russia, it will fight against COVID-19 and become an alternative booster. Okay, and it's, they just squirt a little squirt up your nose. And how much you want to bet it doesn't have any mRNA in it? You think it'll pass the FDA as long as Fauci's alive and Gates are alive? Hmm? Think it'll pass? No. It, it, nothing's going to pass unless it has mRNA in it. Mark my words. Nothing going to pass. It's got to have the mRNA in it. It's got to have that creepy creature thing in it and the nanoparticles and all that. Uh, anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to get stupefied again. Next one up. Hallelujah. Here we go. Another report. Four Disney employees and a retired judge were amongst 108 people that were arrested in a human child traffic campaign. Hey, what better place to work to do child trafficking than Disney? Hi, I'm Mickey Mouse. Follow me, all you kids. <laughs> oh, man. What a messed up world. Lord Jesus, please come quicker. Hallelujah. Next up, Japan pushes India to denounce Russia. So you've got, you know, push and shove and push and shove in Japan. You know, every, everybody's got a all for one and one for all. It's the three musketeers. 195 countries must all condemn Russia. Shame on you for taking out those Nazis and making all the Ukrainian people happy. You should never have done that, except for the people that live in the far eastern side. Next one up. Hallelujah. One dead and up to two, 20 people shot at an Arkansas car show. Kids reported amongst the victims. That's very Jason Aldean-ish. Boy, that was some. Oh, man. Next one up. Western sanctions against Russia are increasingly outrageous, according to this report. And basically, for anybody who understands global economics and supply chains and stuff, really what it is, is Obama taking down the United States of America and thrusting us into the third seal. Global financial collapse. It's so obvious. I mean, right now, Saudi Arabia is cutting a deal with Russia to accept um, yuan, Chinese money, <clears throat> so they can trade in oil. If Saudi Arabia says yes to that and continues to, you know, say nana boo-boo, nana boo-boo to Biden as they are, game over. Next one up. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. Checking in. North Korea fires multiple rocket launcher shots into the Yellow Sea. And, of course, that's going to get – that's going to ramp up. We can count on that. Next one up. Ukraine Zelensky says siege of Maripol involved war crimes. Of course, because it was your own army that did it. Large hail, destructive tornadoes, downpours, strong winds, severe weather threatens over 30 million on Friday and Saturday from Florida to New York. But guess what? There's another big weather, big old, ah, nasty old weather report uh, for the next couple of days. It's supposed to move right across the United States and really slam uh, the Northeast. Can you imagine that? People, it's like the 20th of March. We're almost in April. People are going to be like, no, no, we're all going to move to Florida. And then my house will be worth like $7 million. And I'll be like, oh, should I sell? Should I sell? I don't know. $7 million. Maybe I ought to wait until it hits $8 million. Uh, 
Jerusalem Post reports, U.S. suggests Turkey to transfer Russian-made missile defense systems to Ukraine. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm not going to comment on this. I'm just not going to comment on this. Jerusalem Post also reports, U.S. willing to pay too high of a price for the Iran deal, according to Bennett. Boy, talk about the understatement of the century. And one more very important Russian intelligence leak says, by the way, this is not from a Russian source at all. Okay, I'm pretty sure this isn't from a Russian source. It says um, Russian intelligence leak says that China planned a Taiwan invasion for next fall. So if they already had it planned, then do they step it up? Do they step it up? Praise God. And on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Sister Terry Hill. Praise Jesus. I love it when she comes on the program. And here we go. Sister Terry, are you there? I sure am, John. I hope you can hear me all right. I I can. You sound wonderful. I'm so super happy you're here, and I know that a lot of people are as well. And I'd like to add for the folks that Terry is free to go into overtime, so she can use um, from quarter, you know, from now uh, all the way to the top of the hour, and then another 30 minutes. And then if she wants to, she can go into overtime even beyond that. However. For those listening to the live stream, it will go blank. Okay, so the live stream will cut off at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, sharp. So if you're listening through a Chrome browser or whatever the case is or over your phone or whatever, if you, are, if you want to hear, if Terry does go into overtime, you're going to need to call into the show at 319 319- Five two seven six zero two zero. Again, three one nine five two seven six zero two zero. You're going to have to call into the show before nine thirty p.m. Eastern time. Before nine thirty, and you'll be able to hear Terry if she does decide to go into overtime past nine thirty. Okay, if you try to call in after 9.30, it'll say doo-doo-doo or whatever. It'll give it a message that the show is over, all that kind of stuff. But, so anyone that wants to listen to OT, you just got to dial in before 9.30. Okay, praise God. Now, and we don't know, however the Holy Spirit leads. Sister Terry, praise God. Thank you for joining us tonight. It's going to be a powerful message, and I'm going to shut up now, grab my virtual folding chair, and be happy. <laughs> What what is that song that you sent me one time, Terry? That happy song. <laughs> I was like, that, oh right, time? right. Yeah, I love that. That yes, is just too funny. it was fun. a happy song. It was a happy song. Yeah, and I can't play it because of copyright, but I'd love to play it anyway. We all need a little bit of happy song. All right, but anyway, the show is all yours. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you again, John, and again to all the listeners. It's such a privilege to be able to share God's word with you. And for those who do have prayer requests, please feel free uh, to contact me. Uh, You can either go to my website address at awordindueseason.com. If you would like to just send me a 
prayer request, you can reach me at a word in due season 777 at gmail.com. So again, uh, we give all glory and honor and praise to you, Father, tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you for your word that is alive. I thank you for your people who are yours. I thank you that you told us if I be lifted up in the earth that I would draw all men unto me. And so, Father, that is our desire tonight. King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who sits above the storm, the one who walks upon the windy sea, who's king of kings and Lord of lords and is coming again. Father, be glorified in this message tonight. Thank you for comforting my brothers and sisters. Thank you for bringing them hope. Thank you for helping them to be strong and courageous. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, loved ones, it's so good to be with you. And I have a privilege of sharing what the Lord gave me as a message tonight. And he said, wake up, Jonah. Your sea cruise is turning into a storm. And so we're going to look at a couple of God's messengers tonight. And we're going to talk just a little bit about some uh, basic foundational truths about the storm and what the Bible has to say about it and some of those elements of the storm. And we're going to see how our faithful God uh, has allowed storms to be raised up for his own purposes. The first thing I want to do is uh, say Jesus Christ is Lord over the storm. And uh, we know that storms have uh, natural and spiritual applications. They can be symbolic, and I want to talk a little bit about that. We know that there are layers of truth in God's Word. We know that we can compare Scripture with Scripture, and uh, we don't build doctrine on hearsay, but what we can do is we can illuminate Scriptures that will uh, underscore biblical truth. And having said that, let's talk about what a storm is. What is a biblical storm to begin with? So when we think about a storm, uh, we know that there's something to it that the Lord wants us to understand. Um, Storms, as we know in the natural, they're violent, atmospheric upheavals of nature. Now, we know that that which transpires on the earth is a reflection also of what is going on in the spirit realm. Okay, so that would be shaking and disasters and calamities and literal storms upon the sea. And... um, Storms can be supernatural. They can be sent by God. There's plenty of examples. In fact, the Holy Spirit pointed out every storm to me. I went through God's word, Old and New Testament, read them all, studied them all, and I'm only going to talk uh, briefly about a couple of God's messengers who were caught in a storm uh, for the sake of time. But, you know, Nahum uh, 1.3 says that God's way is in the whirlwind and in the storm. Uh, We know that the fear of the Lord comes in the storm. Um, I also want to read something to you here in Psalm 107, starting at verse 25. It says that he, God, spoke, and he raised up the stormy wind. He raises it up, beloved, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They rise up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melts away in their misery. They, meaning the people, reel and stagger like a drunken man. They're at their wit's end. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses, and he caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. Now notice this. 
and he guided them to their desired haven. I'd like to suggest to you that this is a theme that I have seen in both Old and New Testament, that God indeed does allow storms to be raised up, and he in fact does send them. Uh, Even in um, Exodus 9, uh, we can read about 9.23, in Joshua chapter 10, verse 11, and also I have lots of notes, lots of show notes for any of those of you listening that would like them. You can go back and study this in depth and take a look for yourself, and the Lord will add to that. Now, when we talk about a storm, there are elements in a storm, okay? So um, let's talk about the sea for a minute. Let's talk about what the Bible has to say about the word sea. Um, The Lord says when he stirs up the sea, he gains the attention of the people. But what exactly is the sea? It is the H2O that is found uh, in liquid form between um, the land upon the planet of Earth. Yes, uh, Acts 4.24 and certainly in the Genesis account, we see that God has created the sea but that the sea is both literal and symbolic. So if God sends a storm, there's some things that we can consider tonight, and it may make some more sense to us. <clears throat> and as I said before, we, we know that he walks upon the windy sea, and he treads upon the waves of the sea. Uh, Job records that. And when the disciples were uh, in a ship, Jesus came walking upon the waves of the sea. So he indeed is Lord and master of the sea. But the sea is also a metaphor for the nations, okay? So it speaks of the mass of mankind, some who are wicked and some who are righteous. And there's scriptures there. We can uh, go back and look at it, but I'm going to allow you to do that. If you get those show notes, then you can do it yourself. We can read about the fact that uh, the seas are recorded in Revelation 17:15, Revelation 17:1, Isaiah 57:20 are a few. The sea is symbolic of the turbulent sea of humanity, which is restless, that's agitated, and it's in turmoil. And by the way, that stands in contrast to the sea of glass that is mentioned in the book of Revelation, Revelation 4 and 15. Uh, The Bible tells us that there is a sea of glass. Now, this, I believe, you can look at as a metaphor also as the pure, clear, peaceful state of those who stand before God's throne. All right? So that sea of glass is absolutely calm, pure, peaceful. And the scriptures tell us in Revelation that that sea is mixed or mingled with fire. So that tells us, too, that those who are before the throne are being purified or have been purified by being baptized in fire. Now, John saw, uh, according to uh, Revelation 13, 1, uh, the apostle John, who was on the island of Patmos, in the visions that he had when God took him up and showed him things, it says that John stood upon the sand of the sea And he saw that the beast would rise up out of the sea. That's Revelation 13, 1. So we know that the sea is symbolic. The sea is literal. Uh, Scripture also tells us that the sea has a voice. It makes a noise and it roars. And by the way, those waves of the sea uh, in that Hebrew word means breakers. All right. So I am guessing 
that some that I am talking to, to tonight have been hit by some waves lately, whether those be waves of oppression, waves of fear, of discouragement, of depression, worry, anxiety. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is Lord over the waves. Hallelujah. And we know these waves can be violent. They can uh, cause people to become agitated. And so uh, another um, aspect an element of a storm is the wind. And so we can talk about literally there is a wind that blows, but it's also a type of the Holy Spirit, all right? The Spirit of the Lord moving upon the face of the deep, the Holy Spirit moving, blowing upon uh, the seas of humanity. And we can also talk about shifts a little bit tonight. In the world, this is a, a type of the world system. And uh, there are man-made ships, but there is also a God-made ship. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, We know that a ship is a vessel that's designed for transport upon the water. And we also need to understand, too, that uh, the scripture uses it to portray the fallen world system, and it's headed for the rocks. Uh, Jeremiah 51, 64, uh, Revelation 11, Revelation 14. And so, A ship can also be symbolic of an individual or a city, or it could even be associated with a certain group of people. But let me just say this, that any and every ship that is constructed by men's wisdom and placed under his direction is only going to endure for a season. So it eventually will leak, break apart, and sink. And, and so the only unsinkable ship that we find that was built, that was fashioned according to God's wisdom and placed under his direction was, of course, Noah's ship, which we call the ark. And praise the Lord, that ship comes to rest upon the mount. Now, let's talk now and take a look at two of God's messengers, because this is the emphasis that I was given uh, to share with you tonight. God's goal for us in this storm, beloved, is to bring us to a place. And now I'm talking about a place spiritually and perhaps even geographically that we may reach our particular assignment and destination, okay? So when we talk about a great storm that's approaching, we'll take a look at that a minute in a minute in Acts 27. But for now, I'm going to take you into the book of Jonah. And we're going to look at one of God's messengers. We're going to see a storm that was arising. And we're going to look at the condition of this uh, servant of God because the storm, in fact, will reveal the spiritual condition of God's messengers. The word of God tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. Jesus has told us that we are to be fishers of men. He's commissioned us. He's given us authority in his name. He's given us his name, his power, and his blood, and his Holy Spirit that is continually prompting us to move forward, to stand on the word, to heed the word of God. So, Father, give us ears to hear tonight. In Jonah 1, starting at verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3 says, But Jonah rose up and fled to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. She's trying to run in another direction from the Lord. So he went down to Joppa. He found a ship 
which was going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, verse 4 of Jonah chapter 1 says it again. And the Lord hurled or raised up a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on top of the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Now, notice it was the Lord himself who sent this storm. In verse 5, the sailors became afraid. They began to crying out, each of them to their own God. They threw the cargo overboard. But Jonah had gone down below into the hold of the ship, the bottom, laid down, and had fallen fast asleep. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we won't perish. Verse 7 says, each man said to his mate, come, let's cast lots so we might learn and find out how this calamity has struck us. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Verse 8, they said to him now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you from? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And the men became exceedingly frightened, and they said, how could you do this? For these men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, what are we going to do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that it's because of me this great storm has come upon you. But the men rowed desperately. Verse 14, they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. And do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you've pleased. Verse 15, they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was the stomach in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I want to comment on the first chapter of Jonah because I want to talk about the descent. Jonah actually was descending, running away from the Lord, as he had stated. The first thing he did is he went down in chapter 1. He went down to Joppa. Now, Joppa was a beautiful seaport city. It was, in fact, a man-made city. And he desired that which was pleasant to his senses. All right, so we have a lukewarm messenger, a backslidden ambassador, who has heard God's voice, has God's message, but he doesn't have the burden for the lost that he should have. And he wants to serve God on his own terms. And he wasn't in the mood. You see, what God had asked him to do was not what Jonah's agenda was. All right, so he, the first thing he did is he went down to Joppa. He went to a place that was pleasant to his senses. Kind of sounds like Lot, right? Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And so Lot actually pitched his tent. He went down to Sodom because it was pleasant to his senses. All right, so we see a lukewarm condition there. The second thing he did is he went down into a ship. Now, this was a man-made vessel going in the wrong direction, okay? Then he went down into the sides of a ship. He was hidden within that ship. He was deeply entrenched and 
asleep. So then he went down into the sea. He fell into the depths of the sea, all right, and we talked about what that sea was symbolic of, and this was a place of currents which take men to a watery grave within the turbulent masses of humanity. Then he went down into the belly of a great fish, a place of confinement that God had prepared for him. So God had a God-made vessel ready to consume and to catch Jonah, and this was a prepared place of confinement, all right? And so this is a type of death to self. You can go back later, later and uh, read Jonah chapter 2 and listen to the cry of this man who is in the belly of a great fish. So it's a picture of death to self. First of all, he went down into the belly of a great fish, which finally, this now was a God-made vessel, okay? So this was prepared by God. This was a place of great confinement. But this God-made vessel, the belly of a great fish, actually took him in the right direction. Now, when we talk a little bit about Jonah here, what we need to know is that this is a picture of a man, or a woman for that matter. He's a messenger, but he was lukewarm, and he was disobedient, okay? He did not take the call of God seriously to reach the lost. God said, go to Nineveh. Nineveh, uh, as you know, or may or may not know, was um, the capital of Assyria. Now, the Assyrians were the enemies of Israel, okay? Uh, It took a great storm for Jonah to come to the place of repentance to finally turn to the Lord and fulfill his vows. All right, so another thing, too, due to Jonah's disobedience, not only did he endanger his own life, but he endangered the lives of those who sailed with him and he lost his testimony. And what had happened was the prophet of God, who was Jonah, was actually rebuked by a heathen sailor, all right? So this guy had lost his testimony when they asked him, who are you, where are you from? And he told them, we see that Jonah did not know, but God did. God knew how to arrange the perfect circumstance to bring him to a place of humility and repentance. So God orchestrated this confinement in the belly of a great fish. Now, Jonah had made vows to God, and God takes vows seriously, all right? And he longs for the lost to be saved. And God asks his servants to warn them of coming divine judgment because he's not willing that any should perish, right? So Jonah paid the fare to go to Tarshish, all right. He paid the full price for his disobedience, but his rebellion brought the discipline of the Lord. The Bible tells us whom the Lord loves, he also will discipline or chasten. And so any good parent knows that um, part of loving that child is allowing discipline to come into their lives. So we have danger and great pressure, and the fear of the Lord came upon these pagans who were also in the ship with Jonah. But what Jonah did not know, and what we will see later in a minute in uh, chapter 3, is that God had already begun to prepare the hearts of the people of Nineveh. Now, Jonah did not know that. But what we find as we read later in the book of Jonah is that one obedient servant of the Lord can touch a multitude and bring revival to it. So the entire 
city of Nineveh actually later repented at the preaching of a single stranger. Now, you might look at the, the mission field where God has put you, maybe in your family, your neighborhood, or, or your business, and you might say, uh, this is a very unpromising mission field. I'm not sure they want to hear me. I'm not sure if they have ears to hear, but it doesn't look too promising. But what may appear to you and I as the most unpromising mission field can, in fact, prove to be the most responsive to the gospel message. Okay, so what I want to do now is I'm going to read to you from Jonah chapter 3. Now, this is after the, the great fish vomits Jonah up onto the dry land. Okay, so he's on land now. He's covered with seaweed, and uh, he, he's perc- looking uh, pretty uh, sea-bogged and sea-logged and waterlogged right now. But the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And notice the command to Jonah was still the same. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And verse 2 says, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. Cry against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. So the second time the word of the Lord came, it was exactly the same. It had not changed. So in verse 2, Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh, the great city. Claim to it the proclamation what I'm telling you. So Jonah arose. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He began to go through the city, verse 4 tells us. Then look at verse 5. It says, the people of Nineveh believed God. They actually called a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, set aside his robe, and he sought the Lord. He issued a proclamation. In Nineveh, by the decree of the king, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock eat anything. So he called a fast. And so what had happened, he called everybody to fast. Now, this was a citywide fast. And he said, who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his anger so that we won't perish. And the scripture says in verse 10, when God saw their deeds, they turned from their wicked ways and God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. But guess what? Jonah pouted. He was not happy about that. All right? He basically, um, Jonah cried out from the belly of the fish, and he desired to look again. He He became thankful. He recognized God's mercy. But... What happened was the people of Nineveh believed the word of the Lord, and God showed mercy to the people when he saw the repentance. Jonah was not happy about it because he thought they were uh, worthy of God's punishment. All right? So let me just say this. Because God is just, he will punish disobedience, but he desires to show mercy, okay? And because... Jonah had the right word, okay, he did have the right word, he spoke to the right people at the right time, but the problem was he didn't have a love for the lost, he did not pass the love your enemies test, okay, Uh, Jonah was one that thought their sin was so bad and so far gone that God could never forgive them, well, he did. But, beloved, we have to take note of what Scripture talks about. 
God did relent and he did give a space of time. But I want to just make a little sidetrack now and I want to talk for a minute about biblical judgment because we need to hear about this. Even though the judgment upon Nineveh was delayed, it was not canceled, okay? Let's talk about Nineveh for a minute. Um, Nineveh was like some of the wicked cities of the past, and in fact, it's like some of the wicked cities of our day. And Nineveh had filled up the measure of her guilt. Jesus talked about that when he was um, speaking one day to the scribes and the Pharisees and the um, teachers of the law. And he said, fill up the measure of your guilt, of your father's sins. So there's a point in time that God sees that iniquity is full. And in the, in the case of Nineveh, that is actually what had happened. God does give men, cities, and nations a period of time to repent, and he knows when that window of time is over, all right? This we see when God spoke to Noah to build a ship that would not break apart. Uh, this was directed by God. We know that uh, God said, uh, I've had enough. And, and so Noah and his family entered the ark along with the animals that God sent that were gathered. And praise God, we see how God kept Noah and his family. Now it happened again, Genesis 18. God came down to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw the wickedness there. He talked to Abraham. He said, I've had enough. He said, I'm going to have to go down and see because everything that I see and hear and understand and see is altogether exceedingly wicked. So even though there was an announcement of Nineveh's ruin at an appointed time, there was also widespread repentance, all right? But again, the judgment upon Nineveh was delayed, but it was not canceled. After a period of time, Nineveh's wickedness returned, and it was later destroyed, as we read in the book of Nahum. So you can take a look at that later and read about that, because eventually... The wickedness returned with the practices of the people were exceedingly wicked, and God destroyed it. Now, I want to talk for a minute about God's divine judgment because we know that he desires to show mercy. We know that he is merciful, but he is also just. When I was sitting with the Lord yesterday morning and this, um, the handouts and the notes that I was just about prepared, I said, Lord, what is it? What is it that you want me to share with your people about the city of Nineveh and how it applies to the world in which we live and the wickedness of the cities that we live in and we see all around us. What is it that I can share with them? Because I know that you are both merciful, but I also know that you are a judge and you are returning as a judge. And this is what he was showing. This is what I'm impressed to share with you, okay? God's divine judgment does come after repeated warnings from different sources, all right? And after he is satisfied, when he is satisfied that his grace and his mercy have been adequately revealed, after and when his gospel message has been preached widely and spread for over an extended period of time, and when our Father knows that he must, in fact, intervene in the face of great wickedness, all right? And when in his omniscience, he has determined the number of souls that are to be gathered because he knows who will be saved. He gives 
plenty of time, he shows mercy. When in his omniscience, he is determined that there have been enough repeated warnings. When in his wisdom, he's satisfied that his grace and his mercy has been adequately revealed. After his message, and he knows it's spread widely over an extended period of time to the places, nation, cities where he said it must go. And when he sees the great wickedness, as he saw in the days of Lot, all right, with the exceeding wickedness of the men and the people of the city there, he had to intervene. And so when God sees the number of souls and all of these things that I've just shared with you, this is what I was impressed by for the Lord. I just sat and wrote it down. He said, then and only then will his wrath be poured out upon the wicked and certainly upon the Antichrist kingdom and those who follow and have taken the mark of the beast and have bowed to his image. Now, we know in the case of Nineveh that God used a wayward, disobedient messenger, but God also restored Jonah when he repented from the prison of the belly of the fish's belly right he did repent he desired he said I desire to look toward your holy temple God when he was thankful he began to thank God when he recognized that God is merciful and Jonah himself was a picture of God's mercy he said I'm living proof listen to what I did so Jonah did his job he brought the right word he brought it to the right people at the right time all right and he said I'm going to fulfill those vows that I have made to you, God. Let me ask you a question, beloved. What vows have you fulfilled? And God is still waiting for you. Um, or what vows have you made to God? And God is still waiting for you to fulfill those things. What have you promised him? What have you said, Father, I will do this? We need to ask him if we have missed something, if we're going in a wrong direction, because he surely is going to show us. Now, let me just say that God can and does use the forces of nature and his own creation for his own purposes. So he is instructing his people. This is one of the reasons for the purpose in the storm is he reveals the character of his messengers, all right? And so God used a storm. He used a great fish. He actually used a gourd and even a worm to come and consume a gourd and a plant. He used the sun and the wind. And let me just say something here to moms and dads, to grandparents, to those of you who raised up your children and you've seen the hand of God upon them. They've heard the gospel message. In fact, God began to use them. But like Jonah, some of them are runaways. I want to encourage you with this and give you hope, beloved, because I was very encouraged with this as well. Some of God's messengers are runaways but they're not beyond God's reach. That which had devoured Jonah, which is in fact was the God-made vessel going in the right direction, okay, was also used to preserve him because the hand of God was upon his life. So when we think about how God orchestrated this storm, when we think about the prayers we have prayed for our family, our friends, our loved ones, our coworkers, our neighbors, for anyone that you and I have prayed for, for nations, all right, for places we've never been. God has heard every single prayer. He's counted every tear, and the word of God says he's even stored those things up in his bottle. The hand of God 
is on some of his runaway messengers. They've run away. They started one way, but because of pressure, because of the things of the world, because of the distractions of life, uh, they've turned in another direction. But I'm here to tell you that God knows how to prepare the confinement, all right, of his runaway messengers. And God is patient, much more patient with his servants and with sinners than you and I are. His, His patience is beyond my understanding. Even the pagan sailors who were on the ship with Jonah, okay, they did what the entire nation of Israel didn't do. They actually prayed to God, they offered up a sacrifice, and they promised to serve him. So I assure you, God is getting the attention of people as the storm that we call the approaching day of the Lord comes. God is going to gain the attention of the people And when things begin to shake, because he said he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. And so part of the purpose of the shaking and part of the purpose of the storm is to remove anything that comes from man's own wisdom, our own skill, our own devices, our own strength. Our Heavenly Father knows how to bring a man to the end of himself, and he knows how to bring those children those grandchildren, those loved ones to the place where they say, I give up, God. I want your will. I want your way. Jesus said everything that can be shaken or moved will be shaken. In fact, in uh, Haggai 2, 6 and 7, he says that God is going to shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land. He's going to shake all nations. And the heavens, we know containing the principalities, the thrones, and the powers. These things are coming down. The earth, again, this is spiritual and literal. The earth, the world systems, the governments, and the kingdoms of men are going to be shaken because he said he would, Isaiah 2. The sea, there will be a harvest of souls from the turbulent seas of humanity, Isaiah 65. 60 verse 5 talks about it. He's shaking the dry land. So that which is desolate and unfruitful, he's going to shake all nations, every tongue, every race, every tribe upon the face of the earth, beloved. He is going to shake, shake, shake. Now, what I want to do is I want to take a look now at another messenger who was also caught in a storm. And so I'm going to direct you now. I'm going to take you into Acts 27. And we're going to compare and we're going to see the different kinds of character, the condition, and these two different men who have a different walk before the Lord. We've talked about Jonah, but we also saw how God showed mercy upon him. And we also saw how for a space of time, the people of Nineveh were spared the destruction that God said would come in 40 days. Now, we're going to look at the servant of the Lord whose name was Paul. We're going to look at the apostle Paul because he also was the Lord's messenger. And the Lord had given instructions to Paul. He said, Paul, you're going to Rome and you're going to testify before Caesar. But what we're going to look at and we're going to see a contrast here we're going to see the quiet courage of Paul. 
that was seen by pagan men under great stress, all right? We're going to see a man who strengthened everyone who sailed with him in this storm. And we're going to see that there was a divinely marked pathway, and obedience to the Lord is what kept Paul safe during danger and, in fact, preserved the lives of others. So in Acts 27, I want to start at verse 9, and it says, When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them. So Paul actually spoke to the centurion and the captain and the people who were in charge of this ship. In verse 10, he says, man, I perceive that this voyage is certainly going to be attended with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. Now, Paul was a prisoner on board with a couple hundred other prisoners, all right? And Luke was there as well, recording this. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, all right? Verse 11 says, The centurion was more persuaded by the pilot of the ship and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Now, Paul was faithful to speak the word of God, the guidance of God, and the wisdom of God during this time that the storm was erupting. And now let's drop down, okay, uh, to verse 14. It said, Before long, there came down from the land a violent wind, all right? When the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, they just let it go. Uh, in verse 17, they had hoisted it up. They used supporting cables. And the next day, as <clears throat> they were being storm-tossed, verse 18, they began to throw out the cargo. They began to throw out the tackling and the gear and the cargo, anything that was weighing it down. On the third day, they threw out the tackle overboard with their own hands. And the Bible says in verse 20 of Acts 27, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And this was no small storm that was assailing us. From then on, all hope of being saved was gradually being abandoned. So we get the picture. The people are feeling absolutely hopeless. And verse 21 says they'd gone a long time without eating, so they were fasting. And Paul stood up in the midst and said, Men, you should have followed my advice and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this much damage and loss. <clears throat> now, up to that time, the men on board this ship that was uh, headed out to sea that encountered this hurricane gale force storm had not been willing to listen to Paul. But something changed here in verse 22. Notice what it says. I'm going to urge you now to keep your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. So he told them the ship's going to be lost. Verse 23, for this very night, the angel of the Lord, to whom I belong, to whom I serve, stood before me, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted to you all those who are sailing with you. So we have a man who is courageous under this intense storm, who is walking under an open heaven. He sees the angel. He hears from heaven. And now he's encouraging the other prisoners on the ship. Now, beloved, all of us know that we are prisoners here on planet Earth. 
This world is not our home. The great waves of the storm of the approaching day of the Lord have begun to rock and begin to hit our lives. God is going to fulfill his word. Jesus is not going to rebuke this storm called the day of the Lord because he has commanded it, because he is allowing it. And regardless of what president, what prime minister, what government makes declarations, has decreed this, has ordered an invasion, has said we're going to do this, has said we're going to, going to do that, let me just tell you and remind you that Jesus Christ is Lord over the storm, period, period, underlined and underscored. He walks on the windy sea. He treads upon the waves of the sea. He is allowing the storms to come into our lives and also the approaching day of the Lord because the fear of the Lord comes in the storm. Why does he allow it? Because men and women cry out to God and he then are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Beloved, he is our beacon of hope. And Paul at this moment on this voyage showed the people we have a beacon of hope. His name is Jesus Christ, and I've heard from his angel, and I've been promised by him, and because I know my God, because I know his voice, because he's been faithful, he told me I'm going to Rome because I have to appear before Caesar. You see, Paul had a history with God, and God had been faithful to him. In fact, Paul had gone through three shipwrecks, the scriptures tell us. So Paul knew the God that he served, and he brought hope. Beloved, Jesus is our beacon of hope. I don't care what your storm looks like. I don't care what the waves are doing, how they're hitting you. If you have water in your boat, remember Jesus was present in the ship. When he was with the disciples, he said, we're going to pass through to the other side. Now, Jesus was asleep in the back of the ship, but he is the prince of peace. So he had perfect peace falling asleep, he said, we're going to the other side. And when God has determined that his servant or servants or disciples are going to go somewhere, let me tell you, he's going to have the last word. He told Jonah, Jonah, I have a command for you. You're my messenger. Go to Nineveh. Jesus told his disciples, we're going to go to the other side. Okay, we can read about that. In, Luke's, in Luke, and we can read about it in Mark. We can read about it in the Gospels. And here, Paul stands up. He's, he said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you some hope. And so, beloved, I am showing you the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your, he is my hope. And he is directing us to follow the compass of the word of God because the compass of God's word will always point us in the right direction. All right? And so we're going to have opportunities, as Paul did with the shipmates that he was with, okay? When the storm begins to hit, our attention is going to turn from the distractions that have kept us um, or, or caused us to lose our focus. He wants us to cut those ropes. This is what happened. Uh, he, the soldiers cut the ropes because some actually... Uh, individuals were going to try to escape by a raft. Uh, so the ropes were cut, and the cargo and the baggage and the excess stuff uh, was thrown overboard. So these things, um, which actually can distract us and weigh us down, the Lord is going to 
tell us, just let it go. Throw it overboard. Get it out of your life. Don't focus on it. And in these, these storms that God allows to come into our life, he reveals his divine supernatural power. The angels of the Lord encamp around those that fear God. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you fear the Lord God? Is Jesus Christ your Lord, your master, your savior, your deliverer, your healer, your friend? Absolutely. I can say that is a fact. He is all of those things to me and more. But God has a goal for each of us. Did you know that? God's goal for us in the storm is to bring us to that place spiritually and geographically that we might reach our particular assignment and destination, okay? And so whatever ship we are in, whatever ship we are on, eventually, all right, is going to crack, leak, break apart, and it'll eventually crash against the shores, because anything that man has constructed apart from the Lord being the builder, anything he has not built, you see, the construction of Noah's ship, the ark, was fashioned according to God's wisdom, right? It was unsinkable. All right, so as Paul has given the people hope, everything happened. Uh, Basically, the ship crashed apart. But God promised Paul, and he told the people, that not one hair on your head will be lost. Don't be afraid, in verse 24, don't be afraid, the angel said. You're going to stand before Caesar, and God has granted to you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, brothers and sisters. He said, I believe, God, that it's going to turn out exactly as I have been told. Now, what happens is they struck a reef, things broke apart. To the, It says that the soldiers actually wanted to kill the prisoners so that none of them would escape and swim away to land because as they were approaching, they saw a, a country, another country. They saw land. They saw hope in front of them. But the centurion tells us in, in verse 43, wanted to bring Paul safely through, all right? Because of Paul's sake, because of Paul's prayers, while men were toiling at the pumps, Paul was praying for the salvation of the souls. Praise the Lord. These things were thrown out. Uh, The people threw out the food. They threw out their supplies. Things became stuck. It was broken apart from the waves. But all of them were spared I believe because of the faithfulness of this man, God answered Paul's prayers. Now, I don't know who is with you, beloved. Let me tell you something. Those who you walk with, family members that you have believed for, stood for, Father, I thank you that as you said in Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved in your household. I believe God has given Many, many promises to praying parents and grandparents. Now, certainly our Father does not violate the free will of any of his creatures, but I will say this. God will increasingly bring pressure upon the wayward and the backslidden and the prodigals to bring them to that place of full surrender. So what happened was everybody 
came safely to land in verse 44. Thus it happened, they were brought safely to land. Now let me just pause here now and comment on what happens in the next chapter. Because in Paul's mind, he's thinking, all right, I know that I have to go to Rome. I know that I have to appear before Caesar. And may I say that God has an appointment for you, brothers and sisters. Those I'm talking to tonight, there are people, there are individuals, there are companies, there are cities, there are neighborhoods, uh, perhaps even nations, whom the Lord has said, I'm going to send you there, whether he sends you by online blog talk radio, whether he sends you physically and personally, I tell you what, God has a destination in mind, and he is going to get there. Because when he declares it, he's going to have his own way. Now, in Acts chapter 28, it says in verse 1, they had all been brought safely through, and they had landed on an island called Malta, also called Melita. And so the native people there showed them kindness, and a fire was kindled, and Verse 3 says, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, laid them on the fire, that actually a poisonous viper came out because of the heat from the fire, and it attached himself to Paul. It fastened on, bit his hand. Verse 4 says that when the people, the natives, saw this viper hanging from his hand, they began to say, undoubtedly, this man must be a murderer. They were superstitious. They thought he must be a terrible person for all these things to have happened to him, first to be shipwrecked and then to have a snake bite him. But I got news for you, beloved. Just because a storm has hit your life, just because things may look like they're falling apart, just because water might be filling your boat or your ship, just because the waves are roaring and the wind is blowing does not mean that you are not in the center of God's will. Jesus promised you, and he promised me, I will never leave you or forsake you. He did not forsake Jonah. He did not forsake his disciples. He did not forsake Paul when he was in the middle of a shipwreck. But notice how God turned the tables. However, in verse 5, Paul shook that <clears throat> creature off into the fire, and he suffered no harm. Now, I don't know what any snake, any serpent has tried to do. He may have tried to fasten itself to your life, to your family, your business, your kids. But I got news for you. The poison and the venom from that serpent is not going to determine what God is going to do through you. The call of God is on your life. You're an ambassador for Christ. You are a messenger. And beloved, there is presently now a window of time. And as there is a window of time, we're going to make the best of that. Hallelujah. And yes, I might say this, Noah's ark, the door, who is also the Lord Jesus Christ, that door is wide open. It has not shut. Hallelujah. Now, in verse 6, it said that these natives thought that he was going to swell up or fall, fall down dead. But you know what? They changed their minds. Notice, they repented. They thought he was a god. And let me just say that when we are in the center of God's will, God will supernaturally and divinely protect us from the venom from the poison of the enemy who tries to bite, assault you, and attack you. Shake it off into the fire and declare your authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
You have the authority, beloved. I have the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and that's what we do. Keep doing it. Keep smashing and reminding them who they are. Now, verse 7, it said the neighborhood there, there were lands belonging to the leading man on the island. So basically what happened was the people welcomed Paul. And Paul actually had the opportunity to minister healing to people who were sick. And the rest of the people on the island no doubt heard the story. Come and see this man who shook off that viper into the fire. Come and see this man who has survived a shipwreck and has come safely to the shore. And similarly, beloved, he's going to say it to you. Come and see this man. Come and talk to this woman who has survived this, who has survived that. They've gone through this storm, that storm, and they've come out and they've emerged triumphantly and miraculously and listen to them because they will pray for you and you will be healed. They will pray for you and you can be saved because their God is greater than any pagan God we have ever seen on these islands. And the scripture says in verse 10 of Acts 28, it says they honored us with many marks of respect and they supplied us with all we needed. Verse 11, at the end of three months, we set sail on a ship uh, going an Alexandrian ship, which had uh, had uh, its figurehead there, and we stayed. We sailed around. Then we found brethren. Verse fourteen. We were div- invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. Now, you may not have expected to land on an island called Malta like Paul did. Maybe you think, gosh, I've been sidetracked, or Father, I I missed your call, or I took a wrong turn, or something happened that this storm has hit my life, my family, my business, my health, my finances, my loved ones, and you found yourself in a place that you didn't expect you would be. Now, Paul did not know he would land on this island, but God knew it, and you may not know why you landed in the place where you are today. Maybe you thought you'd be living in a different geographical location or working for a different organization or going a place that you had planned because in your mind you said, I know God spoke that to me. Let me just say something, beloved. What looks like a delay, hallelujah, because Jesus is with you, is in fact the plan of God. There is no such thing as a delay. There's no such thing as, uh, in other words, um, a sidetrack or something that may look like a mistake. God uses every storm, every situation to bring glory and honor to his name. And I assure you, if you find yourself today in a place and you're saying to yourself, how in the world did I get to this place? How in the world could this have happened? I'm here to tell you that God's glory is going to be revealed through you in that place, just like it was with Paul. Delivered. God's delivered some of you from some incredible things. He's delivering and is delivering people right now in the mighty name of Jesus from depression, from anxiety. Hallelujah. He's delivering people right now from insomnia and nightmares in the name of Jesus, from a tormenting spirit in the name of Jesus. Some of you right now are being delivered 
from the enemy who has continued to uh, assault your mind, who has attacked your body by the name and the power and the authority of the great God that I serve in the name of Jesus, be healed and delivered tonight. For the power of God was present to heal now, even as the power of God was present to heal when Paul stepped foot on that place where he emerged triumphantly, where he refused to have a pity party, where he refused to be pessimistic and say, oh, no, it's over now. No, he was a beacon, a light that pointed to the ultimate beacon of hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one who never lost that compass, let me tell you. People around you may lose direction, but he held on to that compass. And as we hold on to the compass of the word of God, as we stay in that word, as we study to show ourselves approved, and we ask him, Lord, what are you doing here? I hadn't expected this. This really looks crazy. It doesn't even make sense. Boy, oh boy, don't even make sense. Right, beloved? But guess what? There's some sick folk there. There's some people that need to see the glory of God. There are some people that need to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Paul did make his appeal to Caesar. You can read about that later in Acts chapter 28. And some of them were persuaded by what Paul said, but some did not. Hallelujah. And so verse 24 of Acts 28, it says that some were persuaded by the things that were spoken, but others would not believe. And they didn't even agree with one another, verse 25 said, and they began to leave after Paul spoken to them. So you see, when God sends you into an area, all right, and he was right on track, the angel said, you know, Paul, God has assigned you. He's declared it. You have to go testify before Caesar. Beloved, when God has spoken something to you, all right, there's going to be some that are going to believe it and some will not receive it. And they're going to um, be persuaded. Some will be persuaded, but some will not agree. Now listen to the closing statement in Acts 28, verse 28. Paul says, let it be known to you, therefore, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Verse 29, when he had spoken these words, the Jews departed. Now notice, they had a great dispute among themselves. When Jesus sends his sword, his word into a situation, what does that word do? It divides, right? So when God puts his word in your mouth, and believe me, I'm talking to a host of witnesses, messengers, ambassadors, and preachers, and teachers, and apostles, and prophets, and teachers. Glory to God. I'm talking to you tonight. When he puts that word in your mouth, it's like a two-edged sword. What does it do? It divides between thoughts and tents of the heart, joints and marrow, soul and spirit. Let me just say this. Speak what God puts in your mouth, and let the chips fall where they will. Verse 30 says, this is the conclusion now of the book of Acts. It says that Paul stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. God sent people to him. And verse 31, he preached the kingdom of God and he taught concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, proclaiming it. The scripture said he was unhindered. 
So Paul, the obedient prisoner, was looked up to not only by the other prisoners in the ship, not only by the captains and those who were uh, at the head of ordering the movement of the ship and the soldiers and everybody on board, this man was listened to by those who at first didn't want to hear. So God confirmed his word through Paul, who ministered there at Malta and then later in Rome. Now let's bring it down to where you and I live today. Well, Sister Terry, that's really nice for Jonah, and that's really nice for Paul, but you don't know what I'm going through in my business. You don't know what I'm going through in my home. You don't know, Sister Terry, what I've been through. You don't know the abuse. You don't know the misunderstanding. You don't understand the divorce I've been through. You don't know about the bankruptcy I've been through. But do you think there's hope for me? Do you think that this word really applies to me today as it did to those that are written to and have been, whose lives are recorded, Old and New Testament? My answer is an emphatic yes, beloved. Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. He is allowing things to come into our lives to keep our focus, to turn our focus upon the lost who are perishing. All right? The tackle and the gear and the stuff and the baggage are being thrown out in some cases because they've been a distraction. We all know the enemy works hard to hinder us, to get us going off into the weeds and off of of the path that leads to life. He wants us to get back on that straight and narrow path. Now, I know it's lonely. I know it's hard. I know that you're misunderstood at times. I know that you're rejected at times and rejected by the ones you love the most. But I have to tell you that our great king walks with you. He promises never to leave you or to forsake you. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You know, Jesus, and he also said in John's gospel, he said, John 16, he said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Now, how can you have peace when your ship is filling up with water? Could you answer that for me, Lord? How do I exactly have peace when, when everything is breaking apart around me. How is that possible, beloved? The Prince of Peace was asleep in the ship when he told his disciples we're going to the other side. He is the Prince of Peace. Peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. Hallelujah. He said, these things I've spoken to you that you might have peace. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation. All right? Uh, and in Romans 5, 3, it says we can even glory in tribulations because tribulation works patience. Now, let me tell you something. If you are on a ship with a whole lot of prisoners, these are a whole lot of unsavory individuals, right? Here's the thing. There are some people that are easy to love, and there's other people we really have to work hard at loving them. Jonah had the right word, he had the right message, right? At the right time, the right people. But Jonah 
didn't pass the love test. But let me tell you, Paul passed the love test. He loved people enough that while people were going crazy, and again, you've got some pretty unsavory characters, I mean, these are all prisoners, all right? So you probably have some murderers, you have thieves, maybe rapists. Only God knows what kind of people were on board there. And even when they landed on the island, the pagans that were there assumed that Paul must have been a murderer because it says so. This must be some wicked guy. And so people might be looking at your life saying, man, you must really be out of God's will. You must really be rotten. You must really be a sinner for all these things to have happened to you. And then that viper strikes. And then there, there's proof. Right now, he must be running away from God. He was not running away from God. He was right smack dab in the center of God's will. And somebody needs to hear this tonight. Beloved, listen to me. You can be riding and sailing on a nice sea voyage, but all of a sudden, the winds change and the storm comes up and the waves start beating and the water starts coming into your life and you feel like you're being flooded out. The Bible talks about floods. In fact, it says that that word flood is also literal, right? But it's also a symbol for ungodly men. Floods are also a symbol for hostile world powers. Psalm 93 says that. It's also a symbol of an enemy. Enemy comes in like a flood. What does God's word say? The spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. An invading army can be like a flood. Great destruction can be like a flood. Testing can be like a flood. Persecution can be like a flood. But let me tell you, beloved, there's a place in Christ, and he brings us to that resting place in the heavenlies. It is absolutely possible to have peace in the middle of the storm. When you have the assurance that God's character, his nature never changes, that he loves you because he chose you. He loves you because out of his sovereign will, he chose you from the foundation of the earth. Think of that a minute. In the day that we live, and this day in May, in the year 2022, when there are wars and rumors of wars, when there are pestilence and uh, invasions, when there are earthquakes and more coming earthquakes, by the way, in diverse places, the Lord says, I'm going to be with you. Jesus said, these things will come, but the end is not yet. All right, we still have some time. Now, I would like to say, I wish I could say, we're all going home tonight, but beloved, we still have time. That door is still open and we have work to do. You are assigned by the Lord and he's going to take you there. He trusts you with the trials, the tribulations, the testing, and the temptation that you have endured up to this point because he knows how powerful his grace is to keep you. Now, again, you might say, but Sister Terry, you don't know how I failed him. Sister Terry, you don't know what I've been through. Do you know that it's not about our failure, how we've missed the mark, how we became complacent, how we wanted to take a nice sea cruise when God said it's not time to take a sea cruise, it's time to get out on your knees and cry out to me. We've all missed the mark, but it hasn't disqualified us. All right. 
if you are being uh, pulled and touched and pricked by the Spirit of God, you know God's talking to you. He hasn't given up to you, given up on you. In fact, the weaker you feel, oh praise God, I know how that feels. The weaker you feel, He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Glory to God. Glory to God. In fact, and John uh, says in Revelation 1-9, he said, I, John, who also am your brother and your companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of patience of Christ, you're in good company, beloved. You know, Jesus comes with hope. He comes with encouragement, and he reminds you of his faithfulness. He doesn't want to remind you and me of our unfaithfulness and our disobedience. If we have confessed those things, get over it, all right? We have to get over ourselves. We don't have time to allow the enemy to tell us how unworthy we are because he already knows, because we already know in ourselves we are unworthy. But his blood has made us worthy, washed us clean. We've been made righteous, and we have the right to approach the throne of grace with boldness in prayer, believing that what God has promised he is able to do. Hallelujah. Abraham was persuaded. He said Abraham was persuaded by that which God had promised he was able also to perform. Hello, at 100 years old or whatever he was, conceived a son. God says, this is your promise. I know it looks like it took a long time, Abraham, but I am right on time. And let me just tell you something. The clock may be ticking. And if you're like me, it seems like the days are, are melting into weeks and the months are flying by. So we're being reminded in the book of Romans, who is written by our brother Paul, who wrote the book of Romans in 12, 12, 12, 12 he said, be patient in tribulation, all right? In 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, he said, we told you that we would suffer tribulation. Beloved, and Jesus himself, <clears throat> for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. How is it, this is a mystery to me, how is it that we could be walking upon the face of the earth in broken clay bodies, and yet at the same time simultaneously already be seated with Christ in heavenly places? Can you grasp that? Can you get your arm around that? You know what? I can't, but I believe it because God said so in his word. So that tells me that my sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And beloved, you know, the apostles and disciples were fishing with nets when Jesus called them, right? But you know, they were hauling in multitudes. Now, all of us may not be called to fish with nets, but we can certainly all learn how to fish with a pole. We can certainly reach individuals. And so this is how we do it. This is how we share. How do we share that glorious gospel? First of all, we have to come to the place we can share our testimony, what God has done, and remind the people that we talk to 
if we have have we perfectly kept God's Ten Commandments? No, none of us has. The Bible says that we've all missed the mark, okay? And the thing is, God says that if we miss even or are guilty of part of the law, that we're guilty of breaking all of the law. So what we have to do is realize, because all of us have sinned, as we share with people, tell them, if you die today and if God judged you by his Ten Commandments, would you be guilty or innocent? All right? So we have to tell and explain to people that we all deserve hell based on what God said in his commandments. We have to show him the law so that we can then show them his grace. We have to tell them God loves you. And even though we have sinned and we've broken God's commandments, God provided a way for us to be forgiven. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is God's son. And God so loves the world that he gave his son for you and for me, that if we believe on him, that we wouldn't perish but have eternal life. If we truly repent, if we truly confess our sin, that we must know if we believe in our heart, if we confess with our mouth, you see, we must believe it, that Jesus himself paid our death penalty and he died in our place. That's what Romans says. God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus proved he had power over death. He kept the law perfectly. None of us has kept the law perfectly, but he did. And he rose. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Did you know that? The Bible tells us Jesus is the only way to God the Father. He said it, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus himself is the bridge from hell to heaven. There's only one mediator, beloved. His name is Jesus Christ, only one mediator, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Hallelujah. So we have to believe and trust. Tell them, you have to believe and trust that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And that means true repentance. That means you must receive him by faith and we must love and obey him. And beloved, right now, Jesus is standing at the door knocking. He said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he said, I will come into him and sup with him. So let me close by saying, Not all of us can fish with a net, but all of us can learn how to fish with the pole. In Jesus' name, to him be the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Powerful message and um, so timely. I mean, so timely because, again, you know, as, as a word of, oh, caution that comes from 11 years of, you know, being wrong, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, we all have to, you know, kind of like resize up everything that's going on, not only in the world on a global level, but also the things that are happening in our own individual lives and um, dust ourselves off. 
you know, get ready for the long haul. Be prepared for whatever might come our way. It could be a lot worse than some of the stuff that we've already gone through. And, um, you know, the words of, of encouragement helping us to understand that, you know, the devil's going to beat us, you know, and hit, you know, as best as he can. He's going to try to beat us so bad that we won't, you know, that we'll throw our hands up, you know, that we'll give up. Uh, and we've got to get back up and embrace the promises of the scripture, embrace John 1, 9, and understand that when we confess of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I find that scripture is one of my favorite, and I'll tell you why. Not only because I dork up all the time, but because of what it actually says. It says, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And that's an amazing statement right there to, to, to emphasize the, that is a key word that it is, it is, God considers it to be an act of just justice to be so benevolent, so full of grace, so merciful. Psalm 103 verse 11 and 12, where it says that he knows that we are from dust that we just need to brush ourselves off, get back up again. You know, don't let this stuff drag you down. Don't, you know, I, sometimes I go three, four days, I'm getting knocked down. I'm just like, I can't take it anymore. And I know a lot of people out there are going through it. And, and Terry, your message tonight, as always, has been fantastically encouraging, very, very timely. We don't know how long all this stuff is going to last. We don't know if Russia is going to pack it up with Belarus and go back home after this stuff. We might all be sitting there, you know, befuddled, blown away, convinced that World War III was going to start and then everything just vanishes and everyone goes home like it never even happened. You know, we don't know how these things are going to unfold and we got to be prepared for every every possibility. We got to be what what if Klaus Schwab, you know, formations for the global reset and a giant, you know, takedown of the electrical grid happens. You know, it you know, we there's so many things that can that are potentially teed up right now that we might have to go through and we really really need to just not be discouraged constantly seek the Lord constantly I mean folks I could give you just mind-blowing testimony of times when the then I least deserved God to pay me even a lick of attention that I was in just such a bad state of mind and and it was like at the time when i was at my worst he came through and i just gushed tears and i thought to myself wow what an awesome thank you jesus i as a matter of fact just a few nights nights ago i was laying in my bed at two o'clock in the morning with my hands raised up tears rolling down my eyes and just saying praise you jesus praise you jesus praise you jesus folks and i'm here to tell you we all got to get into that mindset that mode that determination that level of perseverance where no matter what happens to us no matter what no matter how many people that are friends family members that have died from this or that or whatever the things that we're going to go through we just got to get back up brush ourselves off start praising god ignore the devil telling us we're not worthy and get back in the saddle again, I guess would be the right uh, colloquialism. But anyway, God bless you, Terry. Thank you for such a timely and powerful message as always. Thank you, John. God bless you. We love you all. God bless you until next time. 
Amen. And thank you all for joining us tonight. Tonight is Sunday, March 20th. And, well, Lord willing, we'll see you at 7 p.m. this Wednesday night. (laughs) And you know when you say Lord willing nowadays, it seems to have so much more, I don't know, relevant. (laughs) Hallelujah. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds For they shall see my glory 